Oh, boy. I guess with that intro, I can't make fun of you like I usually do when I get up here. It's neat. I used to call him the most eligible bachelor, but I can't do that anymore, particularly with that intro. But uh, so neat to see Jeff and his passion for the, the Masters College. And he has, in many ways, kept my passion alive for the college up here and for you students as well. And so it's, it's a joy to be friends with, with Jeff and now his better half, we can call her Judy. So they've been uh, spending time together. So that's all I'll say, you guys, okay? Hey, I heard that my, um, my pastor, as well as your president, um, dresses casual. So I decided to go casual today, but I, I wanted to be safe. And so I wore Master's College sweater. This thing is nice. You guys, this is from the ASP a couple of years ago when I spoke. And uh, beautiful sweater, so I thought I'd be safe in doing that. But uh, go ahead and grab your Bibles. What a great time of worship. Boy, so good to sing. We had our college camp this weekend. We had communion Saturday night, and I don't think I've ever heard our students sing as loud. We had this rock band going downstairs. We didn't have it, but they had it at the hotel. And uh, we were trying to do communion. You hear the boom, 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 boom. So when we were done with communion, I told the students, I said, I want you guys to sing so loud. That we drown out those drums, not only that, but our voices go through that floor to that party that's going on down there so they know that we're not ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you, they sang Amazing Grace, and uh, what was the other song they sang? There is a Redeemer, I think, was the other one. So loud, it was just such a thrill to be able to, to do that. I'm sure the Lord was honored. Let's pray before we open up God's Word this morning. Father, that is our heart that we would know the Lord Jesus Christ as we even sang a few songs ago. Father, there's nothing that matters in this life more than Jesus Christ. Father, we would pray that as we come to scriptures this morning, we would see the very light of the glory of Christ. And that as we see his light, it would transform our own lives. Lord, nothing changes us more than seeing the glory of Christ. And it is my heart and my prayer as I've been praying for days now that as we look into Philippians 3 this morning, we would see the very glory of Christ. And as we see it, it would transform us and that we would have an opportunity to gain Christ. Lord, thank you for this time this morning and the privilege it is to have your word and to be able to hear it. I pray for these dear students that their hearts would be pricked, that their minds would be open that they would not be on cruise control, that this would not just be another chapel, but that you would cause your word to cut quick, even as it has in my own heart, even this morning, looking over this message again. Lord, thank you for your word. It's so practical in our lives. We pray that it will be practical to our lives here this morning. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Suppose you were walking by the curb of a street late one night. And earlier that day it had rained and there were puddles of water along the street. Suddenly a car drives by and splashes water on you, but you are in the dark and you can't see your clothes. So as you walk, you start approaching a light post. And at first in the dim light, you see that your clothes are not are just a little dirty, but not that bad. As you continue getting closer to the light, you see your clothes really got soiled. Then as you stand right under the light, 
you see that you need a complete change of clothes. That's what it's like to be a Christian. The closer and closer you get to Jesus, the light of the world, the more and more you see your need to change. That's what we're going to talk about this morning, getting close to Jesus. And that's why I was asking Jeff, hey, Jeff, did you tell him to pick out that song? Because that song is so appropriate for what we're going to talk about this morning in Philippians 3. You see, the more and more you begin to pursue Jesus, the more and more you need to change. The more and more, and closer and closer you get to Christ, the more and more you look at your life and you see the sin of your life and you see, wow, boy, I need to change. You know why? Because Jesus is the standard of Christianity. All the do's and don'ts that we see in Scripture aren't necessarily the standard, although they are. But without Christ, that standard is useless because we don't gain approval with God by doing the do's and don'ts of Scripture. We gain approval by God as we see Christ and as Christ, as we see His very glory, begins to change our life. You know, it's so easy. It's so easy in this life to lose focus. I mean, I do it all the time, almost daily. I wake up every single morning and, and it's like John Piper says, it's like Satan is just sitting on my face and I can't even get out of bed and I got to just barely get to my room to open up the scriptures to soften my heart that I would have the right attitude for life that day and for to, to be able to walk according to the way that God wants me to and to please him. It's hard. We lose focus. We lose perspective in the Christian life. See, there's a danger in growing up in Christianity, growing up around Christianity, there's a danger in going to a Christian school. And that's kind of some of the things I want to talk about as well this morning. I'm not saying that it's wrong, not at all, or it's bad to attend a Christian institution. As a matter of fact, I wish I would have. I wish I was a Christian at the time in my college days that I could have come to the master's college here, but there's a danger. And that danger is this. It's much easier growing up around Christianity or going to a Christian school to allow your faith to become a religion and not a relationship. Let me say that again. It's much easier to allow your faith to become a religion and not a relationship. Judaism is religion. Roman Catholicism is religion. Protestantism is religion. Presbyterianism is religion. Methodism is religion, but true, dynamic, vibrant, exciting, biblical Christianity is a deep, personal, abiding relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, growing up in a Christian home or going to a Christian school is awesome. As I said before, it's not bad. It's awesome. It's probably the best thing that you can do. But it's easy to fall into a rut of religiosity. Very easy to fall into a rut of religiosity. You have your quiet times. You read your devotions. You study the passage. You do your Bible homework. You go on missions trips. You attend church and chapel. And soon your Christianity becomes a routine. So you wait for the next camp. You wait for the next Christian concert. You wait for the next dynamic chapel speaker to jumpstart your walk. I know what it's like. Because for two years, my first two years of seminary, that's exactly what it was like for me, attending a Christian school. 
And I was so excited about all these theological things and all this religion and all Bible verses and all this stuff and how to exegete and hermeneutics and theology and everything else that my walk with God became very dry, became very dead, had my quiet times, had my prayers, went on the missions trips, went to church every week, went to chapel every single Tuesday. But my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ was dry. Why? Because I put those things in front of my relationship with Christ. Again, am I coming down in Christian schools? No way. You know that. You know I'm not doing that. I've said it three times now. But as I said before, there's a danger. And as an older brother, I come to you. Are you at that position now? Has your religion or has your Christianity become a religion and not a living, vibrant, dynamic, exciting relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? I mean, you guys, Christianity is fun. I had fun Saturday night singing songs. I walked by the bar. I was walking with one of my friends who needed help because he's been in the military and he came back and he's on liberty. And he came up to our camp and we were just talking about Christianity. We walked by the bar and I looked in there and I said, oh, wow, what a lot of fun. You know why? That used to be my life. And I just remember even 10 minutes right before that, just singing out loud to the, the, at the top of my lungs, singing hymns to the Lord Jesus Christ and tears welling up in my eyes, just saying, this is life. This is what it's all about. This is what the Christian faith is all about. It's dynamic. It's living. It's not just going to class or going to chapel and just saying, okay, I did my little thing this day. It's vibrant. I heard the rock music downstairs. That used to be my life. And I'm like, I never go back to that stuff. I never long for the drugs that used to be on, the alcohol and the women and the sports and everything else that used to be in my life. You know why? Because I love Jesus Christ so much. But that stuff doesn't mean a thing to me anymore. See, that's what Paul is talking about in Philippians 3. If you haven't done so, open up your Bibles to Philippians 3. He's talking about... Regaining a focus and pursuing a dynamic walk with God. Living for the Lord Jesus Christ like you've never lived for Him before in your life. Living that dynamic, abundant life that Christ talked about in John 10. Philippians 3, 8 through 11. Obviously, we're not going to get through all three chapters or three verses. But the apostle says this. He says, more than that. I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. So as far as we're going to get this morning, we won't be able to get through nine through eleven. You can go ahead and study that in the weeks to come on your own. But verses Verse 8, more than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Have you ever wondered why it seems like a brand new Christian is so joyous? Have you ever wondered? I mean, they come to Christ, they turn from the world, and they're excited, and, and they just can't get enough of the Bible. They're at church almost every single night if they could. They're on Bible say they're doing this and they're doing that. And they seem like they're so excited. And then you look at your life and you're like, wow, that kind of shows me up. Have you ever wondered why a new Christian is so excited? The reason is, is because they have found Christ. At that point of their life, he is their only pursuit. And as they go on, then what happens? 
Christ isn't enough anymore. And they begin to stockpiling, they begin to stockpile new worldly pursuits. It's like getting a new CD. We got a new CD uh, about a year ago. Steve Camp, his latest album, Mercy in the Wilderness. And I listened to that thing almost every single day, over and over and over and over again. You know, this day, to this day, at this point right now, I, I don't listen to it that much anymore. And when I first got it, it's like I couldn't get enough of it. And then I finally, eventually, got sick of it. And I'm like, okay, I got to go out and get a new CD. You know, Steve Camp, you got to come out with a new CD. Because I'm tired of the old one. And what happens is, and that, that's what happens in our own Christian life at times. We do that with Christ, don't we? I mean, at the, at the time when we find Christ, we're so excited about him. We're so thrilled. We pray every day. We read the word every day. And then all of a sudden, later on, it's like, oh, like the old CD. You just throw it out. Got to get a new one. Got to find something that's going to jumpstart my Christian walk. Paul says in verse 8, he says, look, brethren, you don't lose all only to take it back after salvation. Verse 8, that first phrase, he says, more than that. More than what, Paul? Verse 7. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. That's Paul at conversion. And if you look at the previous passage, he's talking about, or the verses, he's talking about his life in Judaism. He said, I had it all. I was the cream of the crop in my religion. I was a Pharisee of the Pharisee. As to the law, I was found blameless. How many of you can say you were blameless before you came to Christ? None of us can. Paul actually boasted in that. And then he, when, then he comes to verse 7, he says, But when I found Christ, when I saw the beauty of his holiness, when I saw the beauty of Christ and what he did for me on the cross, he said, whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. I turned my back on the world. But so often as young people, what we do is we say, yeah, I got, I got Jesus. I've accepted in my heart. And then we turn our back on him and we start pursuing the things of the world. And Paul says, no, more than that. More than just seeing my life as lost in the past in order to gain Christ. He says, more than that, I continually presently here and now, continually in the present, count all things to be lost and view the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. More than just counting all things as lost in the past. I do it now in the present and I do it continually. He says, I presently. And continually count or consider or reckon all things to be lost here and now. See, what we tend to do, as I said before, is we start stockpiling the things of the world. And we start pursuing the things of the world as if Christ isn't enough. As if His glory and that, that longing that we had for Him before, when we came to Christ at the very beginning, isn't enough. And Paul tells us that we need to continually examine everything everything in our lives to see if anything competes with our love or our devotion for Christ. Now, the idea behind this word in verse 8 to count, the idea behind this word is the idea of thinking or considering. It's mental activity. Paul's not going out legalistically saying, hey, you got to give it all up. You got to get rid of your homes, cars, boyfriends, girlfriends, anything you're pursuing, just give it all up. Go off in some robe, off to some mountain. 
Turn your back on everything and just wait for Jesus to come. He's not saying that. He's saying here, I count. It's mental, acti- mental activity. It's reviewing or examining everything in your life. For example, say you were going to take a trip down to Arizona, but you didn't know how to get there. So you open up the maps and you start trekking out your place. You start considering or examining that map. Okay, how am I going to get to Arizona? That's the idea behind this word. It's a mental examination. It's an evaluation of your life. It's a reviewing of your life systematically, every single detail of your life to see if whatever it is in your life means more to you than the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the picture here. That's the picture here in verse 8. He says, you count or consider your worldly pursuits as loss. What does Paul mean by all things? When he says all things, literally everything in your life without reserve. You don't hold on to anything. Lord, this is mine. You can't touch it. It says, in a sense, opening up your life, saying, Lord, whatever you want to touch, whatever you want to put your finger on and take away from my life, have at it. Have at it. Because if it's vain in the long run anyway, I don't want it. If it's only a pursuit that's going to give me present satisfaction, but not complete future satisfaction, then take it away anyway. Anything or everything I place my confidence in. Anything or everything that competes for my devotion to Christ. And you know, in reality, only you know. Only you know. I can't get down into your heart and say, okay, here it is, student. Here it is, student. Here it is. Only you truly know what that is. It could be money. Secretly longing, desiring for money. It could be popularity. It could be having a reputation on campus that you're the prettiest girl or you're the most handsome guy or you're just that cool image. It could be status. It could be a boyfriend or a girlfriend. It could be wrong kind of friends. You just can't get rid of them even though they don't edify and build up your life. It could be TV. It could be video games. It could be education, pursuing a 4.0. It could be health. I know some people who absolutely long to be healthy. And I tell them, maybe God's just given that in your life to teach you some things. It could be security. You just long for security. It could be family. Whatever you place value in. Let me say, on its own, on its very own, when you're considering these things, when, when Paul says, more than that, I count or examine all things in my life, and I reckon them all as loss, that could be hard to do. I remember as a young Christian, I'm like, Lord, don't take away my girlfriend. Oh, I just love her so much. I want to get, she's my wife now, but he didn't. But, you know, I mean, I just couldn't get rid of her. I just couldn't even think of the thought that the Lord would take her away. Or when I was playing football, that the Lord would take football away from me because that's what I placed value in. You see, on its own, this may be hard to do. So Paul continues in verse 8. He says, in view of the surpassing value of the knowledge, literally of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, my Lord. When you read that first phrase, it's like, wow. I got to consider everything is lost. That's hard to do. Yeah, it is hard. But then Paul says, in view of the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. 
I, I love the Olympics. Watched most of it this last summer. And I got a good illustration when I was thinking about it. It's like a runner who sees the finish line. He or she looks at one thing. A runner isn't off up in the or, or looking up in the audience saying, Hey, Mom, how's it going? How am I doing here? Hey, when I'm out of here, make sure you got a, co a, a Coke and a hot dog for me. But he has his eyes directly on that finish line, and he's looking at that finish line right there. And nothing is going to distract him from what he wants, because he wants the goal. You see, an athlete doesn't sacrifice their lives as an athlete just because they love to sacrifice their life. They don't just, oh, I just, I'm a masochist. I just love to, to run eight hours a day and, and, and be on a diet and get up early and go to bed late so I can win the gold. They don't love to sacrifice just to sacrifice, but they have their eyes on that goal. They sacrifice their life in order to get one thing, the chance to win the goal. You see, the same is true for the Christian. He has his eyes, and that's what it says there, in the surpassing value, in view of the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ. The Christian has his eyes on Christ, and nothing is going to distract him. Theology won't distract him because he wants to know the author of theology. This world and the pursuit of this world, his image, his reputation, if it's all gone, it doesn't matter to him because he has his eyes on the goal in view of the surpassing value. The value of knowing Jesus Christ far surpasses everything that we can pursue in this life. Paul says... The surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. Do you realize that nothing in this world will ever compare to your knowledge of Jesus Christ? Nothing brings more joy. Nothing brings more happiness, fulfillment, and satisfaction. Nothing. The value of knowing Christ far outweighs anything I once enjoyed. And it far outweighs anything I ever could enjoy. And by the way, Paul's not talking here about some factual knowledge of Christ, not just knowing Jesus, that he died for my sins and a bunch of facts about him. He's talking about a knowledge of experience. It's a knowledge of experience. It's not some mystical experience, but it's a knowledge of experience, experience a, a deepening relationship with Christ, a deepening loyalty to him, a deepening love. A deepening life of obedience. A deepening service. It's not mystical experience, but it's an experience of a relationship. That's why Paul says, my Lord, here in verse 8. He says, my Lord. He personalizes it. He's my Lord. He's my Lord. And for him, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but loss. No. Is that what he says here in verse 8? He says... Rubbish. Literally horse manure. Human excrement. Waste. You know what he does? He places all the things that he once placed, or he puts all the things up here that he once placed value in, and he puts Christ over here, and he says all these things are considered dumb. Human excrement. Waste. This last spring, I was putting in a backyard, and when you put in a backyard, when you plant new grass, you have to condition the soil. So you have to go out and you have to buy steer manure or horse manure. So I go to Home Depot and I load up a hundred bags 
of horse manure at 57 cents a piece of, for a bag. I'm like, man, I got to buy this stuff. I can go down to a farm and get it for free. So I load up my car, 100 bags, back up into my backyard, put all the bags out all over the place, you know. And then I realize, someone tells me, wait, you have the wrong stuff. I'm like, wait a minute. This is horse manure. This is steer manure. What do you mean I have the wrong stuff? You mean they have different styles or different bags of horse manure or conditions of horse yeah he goes this this stuff has too much salt in it it'll kill your grass and i'm like great and so here's me i had to take a hundred bags load up the truck again drive back to home depot to return them and get the right steer manure on the way back two bags dropped off the car broke open and then the cars behind it hit them i had steer manure all over the street I had to pull over, walk back, pick up the bags, and there's steer manure. Stuff stinks. Stuff's dirty. It's getting all over the cars. Got on my feet all over the place because it was kind of wet a little bit. (laughs) You see, that's what Paul compares things that we place value in. Whatever it is, like I said before, only you know. Whatever you find more satisfaction in your life in, whatever you are devoted to, to more in your life than seeking the knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's considered that stuff. Horse manure, steer manure. You know, I don't know about you, but I want to experience Christ to the fullest. I don't want to experience him just this much to have Jesus in my life to know I'm going to heaven. I want to experience Christ to the nth degree as far as I can take it in my relationship to know him. Realize this, anything you put before, your, before devotion to Christ is considered dumb. That's the comparison. And, and how do you do all this? How do you compare? How do you examine? How do you grow in this? Listen, it is a continual examination of everything in your life compared with the surpassing value of experiencing Jesus Christ. The knowledge of him. Building a deep relationship. A continual examination of everything in your life. Let me stop here and ask you a question. Because it's a very important question. Why is this so crucial? Why is this so crucial? I believe it's crucial because Paul gives us the reasons why he boiled his Christianity down to this one focus. I believe Paul gives us the reason Or he gives us the benefit in pursuing Christ. In other words, making our relationship with him the essence of our Christianity. Not religion. Not having Christianity as religion, but a relationship with him. See, the Olympian sacrifices his life, sacrifices his life to receive a medal. The Christian counts all as loss. Why? What does the Christian then receive? Look at the end of verse 8. He says, in order that I may gain Christ. See, you and I, you and I count all as loss in order that Christ may become more and more precious to us. Why did Paul count all as loss? He counted all as loss in order to gain Christ. Not only to experience him in that experiential relationship, but to gain him. See, his whole life, Paul's whole life revolved around Christ. 
If peace with God was secured in Christ, if Christ died for him, then Paul wanted him. It means the more and more I pursue Christ, the more and more I have a deeper communion with him. To be honest with you, I can't think of a better pursuit than that. A better pursuit than longing for Christ. A better pursuit than valuing him more than you value anything else in your life. You see, the deeper communion you have with Christ, the more and more you become like him. And Paul wanted to be conformed to Christ. He wanted to be like Jesus. That's what it means to gain Christ. It means to gain a greater communion with him. It means to to look, and as you gain a a greater communion with him, you gain a greater confirmation in the sense of being conformed to his Christ-likeness. I'm reading a book on John Owen called The Glory of Christ, and he says here in the book, he says, the more and more you look at the very glory of Christ, the more and more you become like him. That's what it means to gain Christ. It means to take on his character. It means to appropriate his life into my own, to become more like him. Can I be honest with you this morning? I'm just beginning to see the light of this passage. It's like one beggar going to another beggar, telling him, hey, there's bread down the street. Coming to you this morning as an older brother saying, hey, you can gain Christ. You can gain a relationship with him that far outweighs anything you've ever experienced in your life before. But it takes a life of self-examination. It takes a life of counting all as loss. Seeing everything in your life as less than your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me take a minute. When I was studying this passage, I wanted to find out what it means to gain Christ. And what do we gain when we do gain him? Let me share with you why nothing in this world will... Just listen. He is our salvation. He is the end of our condemnation. He is our acceptance before God. He is our peace with God. He stands before us and God as our mediator. He is our perfect sacrifice. He is presently preparing a place for us in heaven. He speaks to God for us on our behalf. He is our conqueror. He is coming again to reign, and as Christians, we will reign with him. He is our hope and our joy. He is our life, the bread of life. He is the water for our thirsty soul. He gives us life everlasting. He forgives us when we sin. He is our eternal security. He is our ambition, our exaltation. He is our righteousness. He is the fulfillment of God's law for us. He is our death, burial, and resurrection. He is our high priest. He is our friend, our brother who sticks closer than a friend. He is our healer, our teacher, our physician. He is the sender of the Holy Spirit into our lives. He is our law. He is the end of our bondage to sin. He is our rest, our Sabbath rest. He is the cancellation of our certificate of debt. He is the fullness of deity in bodily form. He is head of the church. He is God's mystery in the Old Testament. He is our goal, our completion. He has purchased and given us, given to us God. He is our strength. He is the light of the Gentiles, and he is our model and our example for life. 
Listen to the names of Jesus. He is Wonderful Counselor, Lion of Judah, the Lamb of God, Everlasting Father, the Rose of Sharon, Lord of Lords, King of Kings, Chief Cornerstone, Governor, the Prince of Peace, the Root and Offspring of David, Lord God of Hosts, Bright Morning Star, the Alpha and the Omega, the First and the Last, the Beginning and the End, the Great I Am, Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus Messiah, Son of God, Son of Man, Son of the Most High God, the Living Word, Rock of Salvation, Prince of Life, Word of Life, Prophet, Priest, Judge, the Spotless Lamb of God, Son of Man, Son of the Most High God, the Living Word, Rock of Salvation, the Spotless Lamb, the Angel of the Lord, Ancient of Days, Advocate, Dayspring, Eternal Spirit, the Living One, Firstborn of Creation, Firstborn of the Dead, the Light of the World, Son of Righteousness, Creator, Comforter, the Way, the Holy One of Zion, Horn of Salvation, Redeemer, the Great Shepherd, Faithful and True, Savior, author and finisher of our faith, almighty God. He is our God. And listen, people, our God reigns. He reigns. You can gain all that when you pursue Christ. You see, what in the world does this world have to offer us? What else? What other value can we place confidence in? or satisfaction in other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Pursuing the prize by counting all as loss in order to gain Christ. Really the question I have left to answer is, how can I practically do this? How can I practically count all as loss to gain Christ? First of all, I'll give you three different points. First of all, lose all things that don't profit you in gaining Christ. Can I say that again? Lose all things that don't profit you in gaining Christ. Hold everything as second best. Everything. See it all as second best. Quit pursuing what the world tells you to pursue. Quit pursuing the world's joys. Quit pursuing in the long run only leads to vanity and prize Christ as your only gain. Eat and drink of Him. Fill yourself up so much with Him that you are too full of Christ to desire anything in this, that this world has to offer. One of my favorite vacations is Thanksgiving. Why? Because you get to eat so much. I go to my in-laws and then I go to my parents' house and I eat like two meals a day. And I'll tell you, by the end of the day, I am so full that when they bring out the desserts, you know what? I'm not hungry anymore. And that's a good illustration that if we are so consumed in pursuing Christ, so filled up in the glory of Christ, so filled up with Him, we have no room for sin anymore. Sin eventually loses its taste. It loses its taste. That's why I could say Saturday night, I'd never go back to those bar days, the bar hopping, dancing days, the alcohol days. I'd never go back to that. You know why? Because I've tasted Christ. And what I've tasted in Christ far outweighs anything that this world ever gave me. Any satisfaction. Fill yourself up so much with the glory of Christ that sin loses its taste. Study the person of Christ. 
Who is he? Get books on Christ. B.B. Warfield, a person who worked on Christ. John Owen, the glory of Christ. Read the Gospels over and over and over again, gaining a glimpse of Christ. Because as you see Christ, you see yourself. And when you see yourself, you see him in perfect holiness, and you see yourself in a sinful state. And you know you need to change. Fill yourself up with Christ. Lose all things that don't profit you in gaining Christ. Secondly, hold everything you have as sand in your hands. Hold everything in, you, in your hand, or as sand in your, in your hands. Hold everything that you have as sand in your hands. Be willing to let it go if it brings only vanity. View it as loss in comparison to your relationship with Christ. Family, health, friends, your career, your cool image, your image, anything, your reputation. See it all as loss. Hold everything you have as sand in your hands. Remember this. The pursuit of worldly security only brings insecurity. The pursuit of worldly riches only brings poverty. The pursuit of worldly pleasures only brings laziness and complacency. But the pursuit of Christ brings joy, happiness, abundant life, vibrant Christianity, as we were talking about before. And third, not only lose all things that don't profit you in gaining Christ, hold everything you have as sand in your hands, and then thirdly, pursue Christ every single day. Pursue Christ every single day. Make a list. Make a list of what things you perceive you can't live without in order to be happy. Put them in one column. Then place Christ in the other. Look at it daily and tell yourself, gaining Christ far outweighs anything I could get by these things. Get practical with your life. Put everything you've placed value in, whatever it is, in this category over here, and just put Christ in this category. And tell yourself every single day that pursuing Christ, this column over here, far outweighs anything that I can get in this column over here. Young people, Christianity is so much more than just religion, than just mere religion. Going to church, reading the Bible, simple prayers, going on a mission trip. Jesus said, I came that they might have life and might have it abundantly. Do you have this kind of life this morning? Are you pursuing Christ? Or have the things of the world, have the things of quote-unquote religion, some good things, blinded you from the true pursuit of, of, of life, the abundant life of the Lord Jesus Christ? Maybe you're pursuing the wrong things. Let's pray. Father, we do know that Jesus stands in stark contrast to anything this world has to offer. Anything. And Father, I just imagine what it would be like to see a campus of 800 students sold out, completely sold out to the Lord Jesus Christ, that they are willing to give up anything to gain a greater experiential knowledge of him, a deepening loyalty, a deepening love, a deepening life of obedience, 
a deepening longing to be with him. Father, it's amazing to know what you can do as we turn our backs on the things of this world. Father, help us to pursue Christ. Grant to us repentance from the areas in our life that we place confidence, that we place value in. And Father, may the word of God cut us deep. That we may have a relationship to where Jesus becomes more and more and more precious to us. So much so that sin loses its, its taste. Father, thank you for your word and the goodness of your word. We pray these things in your son's name. And all God's people said,